Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how you doing? Great. How are you, Randy? I'm doing fabulous. Have an incredibly beautiful day here in Seattle. And going to go out to Green Lake and, and jam my brains out. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. But I have a question for you that I want to ask. Question is, have you ever lost a nail during a competitive round? Oh, man. Yes, I have. It was... In the finals of, um, what year was it? 2012, I believe, when Worlds was in Italy, in uh, Riccioni. And I was playing with James Wiseman. And uh, we had a great semifinal round. And we had a great routine. And I thought we had a good chance to to make the podium, at least, if not win. And uh, the nail fell off like a minute in and totally just threw off my entire groove and uh there was wow. a couple of moves like there was one where i was supposed to hook it upside down on that finger flick it out into the wind and then cuff it back over and i'm like oh, i can't do that now because i need a nail to hook it upside down in the rim oh man it was, it was very sad did james have any idea that did, did you kind of look at him and did he look at you and like go uh-oh yeah well it was very obvious that it fell off because it was just sitting there on the on the red uh oh Right, the red carpet. Yeah, it's not really a carpet, but yeah, yeah, that plastic red stuff. Put my hands up and I picked up the nail and I put it in my pocket and then we kept playing. (laughs) So everybody knew. It's all the things that could have been. What's funny is that I, before that moment, I always said, oh, I'd never lose a nail during a routine. I don't know why people worry about that. (laughs) Boom, there it is. What about you? Well, now I'm afraid to even say this answer because I never have lost a nail or had a nail come off during competition so i'm afraid that now i'm i've I've sabotaged myself and it's gonna happen so yeah dave lewis taught me to keep super glue in your sock so that if you lose your nail during your routine you just pull it out and glue it back on while your partner's doing an indie (laughs) and of course i never followed that advice but i know that's what he used to do that's a good segue into our episode today because we're going to continue Dave Lewis and Arthur Coddington. Dave's going to start out talking about being nervous and the mental approach to the game. So enjoy the show. I can get nervous when I'm playing, not when I'm jamming, but when I'm competing, I still get nervous. Um, I was always nervous. I remember after we had some success, we played in, um, well, after the Worlds, we won our first worlds we won in 96 in pairs in new york city i remember the next year coming or or one or two years later i think it was one year later we went and played um a whammo uh tournament in um you know near the meadow and it was on concrete actually after the first round i remember people saying why are you nervous you can't be nervous you know (laughs) you guys won you guys are world champions you can't be but I think personally, I don't. I, I think a lot of people get nervous, but you just have to play through it and let that energy help you. So usually, I'd be really nervous for the first thirty seconds, maybe, and then get into the routine. You know? Yeah, I, I think that's a myth that nobody gets nervous. Everybody gets nervous, and it's really the length of time it takes you to get into the groove might be different for people, but everybody 
steps in nervous. In fact, my, the the thing that I hate most of jamming is what I call purgatory, and that's that time before you actually go on. Like you're oh, waiting yeah. where where you're seated to go, and it's like okay, there are three teams to go. And it's like oh, I hate that. Just like please, just get me out of there, release me from this place. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I used to God. get super, super uh, fatigued. Like this feeling of fatigue would come over me about 10 minutes before we were going on. And I had to make sure to step away and let the fatigue totally. be there and then yeah. ramp back up. That's a great way to describe it, fatigue. And then there would also be questions of like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> why am Maybe I putting this, myself through this? This yeah. is definitely my last tournament. I can't take this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm never yeah. doing this again. Why do I do this to myself? God, how many last tournaments have I played? Oh my God. <laughs> For me, um, it had to do with focus. And I think you can then have, once you have the good routine, now you have to execute it. It's a matter of letting the routine be the boss once you create the routine. One thing that did help me is that the routine, you're just almost a, a piece of the routine. It's not about you anymore. Once you create a routine, it's about the routine. And then you know, you have to be connected to it. And the routine is boss, essentially, rather than just going, oh, I'm going to go out there and shred. You know what I'm saying? No, I think that's really where you mature as a team and as, as competition is, I like you say, routine is the boss. And it, it really, I've always looked at it as not like separate moves. It really is a four minute move or it's a five minute move. And that's the way I've always approached it once i got more mature about developing routines and competing it was definitely that the routine is the boss and it tells you where to go 96 was was interesting because so we're every year we're going into the season thinking okay let's let's win let's get let's actually figure out a way to win a world championship because that was always our goal was to win a world championship and um and we get to ninety to New York feeling really good because we have we've won most of the tournaments coming in, um, and we don't even win the prelims. We're in we're in the prelims with the Velasquez brothers. They beat us. We don't. We not only don't win the semis, but we're third place in the semis. So yeah. now we're thinking, okay, uh, maybe this isn't our year. I, we don't know. We don't know why. There's no time to do the analysis of like, okay, what are the judges seeing? What are they aren't seeing? Because you're in the middle of it. You got your routine. You got. You have right. to go with what you got. So the initial prelim pool, you guys were in the same pool with the Velasquez yeah. brothers. Yeah, we and, we were in the same pool as Velasquez brothers. And so they won the pool coming out of. They the won the pool. And and by the way, the defending like Gina was defending Open Paris champion. The field was so deep that she didn't make it out of the prelims. Wow. Okay, so you guys then advanced to the semis, and you're seated third in your pool. So we're yeah, we're still, we're seated. We go on like probably third to last in the semis, okay. and I think we got third. So like yeah. I think it might have been uh, Joel and Dave with the the queen routine. That was an amazing routine. Oh yeah, they nailed it in the. In the um... Indoors. The semis. It was just amazing, you know. Yep, I think the Velasquez brothers was right after us again. They nailed it and got a standing ovation, um, which they deserved because they're amazing. So so we we go to dinner that night. We're like, well, actually, I do want to say one thing. Um, our co-op routine, with Dave Murphy, we, we nailed that one. So we we're feeling good about that. So we in the evening, I remember having dinner and just being kind of down about it. 
you know, do we have a shot? So we, cause we were going to be at sixth position, which it's, it's more difficult. So it's the next day it's, it's outside this time and it's been raining, but they decided to not stay just raining, but like black rain pouring where they had to like the U S open tennis tournament was happening and they kind of shut that down for the day. <laughs> right. Right. And there was light, there was lightning. And that's why we was, went indoors for the semis because it yeah, was like was, a hurricane was going on. Co-op yeah. final and the mixed final happened. And then, then the women's final happened, and then this huge rainstorm happened, and people were jamming during it, but it was like, okay, maybe there won't be a Paris final. Whoa. Yeah, right. And it will go inside, go outside, but you didn't really know what was happening. There so wasn't an kind inside. Of just, um, and I, I remember, I, I was the one, when I talk about boosting the finals, I was the one who, who boosted it. It was me. I dropped, like, almost everything. It was just, I don't know what it was, ha- was happening. So I wasn't feeling real confident about that. After co-op, I was feeling really down. I almost like this, you know, what's the point? I, I, I don't know. Why am I doing this? Uh, we're never going to, we'll never make it. <laughs> you know, and then um, this is your last tournament. Down, it's like, your last tournament again. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't care. I don't care anymore. So we come out and it's muddy like crazy. And then Arthur is zoning. I think Arthur was in the zone. So you can just tell, you know, when your partner, your partner's mm-hmm. got to be tuned in. You got to be tuned in together. I don't think we ever talked about that, um, but I'll get that to that in a second. So I'm feeling real down. And then Arthur says, well, why don't we just keep the disc off of the ground because it's muddy and wet? I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. So we went out <laughs> and we, good idea. Had, we went dropless, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I don't, you, we just kind of entered that spot. We were relaxed. We didn't care. We let the, we deal with the conditions everything kind of went our way and we were kind of lucky a couple times you know the disc almost hit the ground because it you know gets muddy and and everything and it turned out we go dropless and we're excited the velasquez brothers (laughs) come out again (laughs) and they go almost dropless and they play great and the next team almost goes dropless and ted oberhaus and uh john dwork play and they almost got dropless anyway so we we kind of got lucky and i don't know what happened but we ended up winning so we were real real happy about that i remember three moments leading into that final one is standing in the rain under one of those tiny little tents where there's about 15 of us in the tent and barely enough room to stand and feeling kind of like dave was like uh i don't even want to play the finals and alan elliott looking at me and going you're going to win and and then the rain stopped and Dave and I went out to warm up and and feeling like oh wow I have my feet under me I can actually I'm not slipping I'm not falling that's kind of cool but then the the fun one was after we warmed up because we're both we're both going I think underneath it all we're thinking no matter how well we play based on how the scoring's going so far in the tournament we're not going to win so let's just play this for us and so we made a bet we made a fifty dollar bet. Whoever dropped the most owes the other fifty dollars, and we went dropless. So I guess we didn't owe any money. So no. That's off. <laughs> <laughs> that is great, and also you gotta remember, hey, it's muddy, so don't drop it. Yeah, it's weird, <laughs> you know. It's kind of funny, you know, when you get in the zone, every everything seems slower, everything makes sense, and your body does what you want it to do, and you make the right decisions. And we had the routine to ground it. If you go back and watch that routine, Dave is the one that's in the zone. He's the one that's doing all the double spinning catches uh, in mud. 
he's the one that's doing the indig pulls. And he's, you know, like, we're making good decisions, but Dave is actually like, wow, he's throwing down here. Well, well I know Skippy um, sometimes says, you know, when you do good routine management and you play, you're playing like a veteran. If you, you know, you know when to go for it, when not to go for it. And I think that was, well, that was the first time. I think it really just kind of clicked. So, yeah. And then the next year we play with, um, I got injured and um, Arthur ended up playing with uh, Dave Murphy in Paris. We ended up, um, up that year in Hawaii um, for the FPA Worlds and um, we played <laughs> played against you guys again. Um, Rand, but that was Sylvie, Bill Wright, and uh, Larry and Perry, and Larry, Larry Alley. But that was like after Worlds and after US Open, you guys swept that year, Randy. Um, it was back to the back to the drawing board for us. It's like what we're doing so far is not enough. What what do we need to do to close the gap and and also to be ourselves because we're diff- we're a different team than you guys. We're, we want to express our game, but express it in a way that um, makes it an even better battle. Right. You've got to be authentic to yourself, which I, I love. Yeah. You guys yeah. stay true. So so we had the idea of, okay, people are doing multiple disc routines, but what if both discs are in play throughout all the five minutes? Can we do that? It's a thought experiment. This is co-op. So, we, so Dave and Murph and I engaged in that thought experiment throughout the off-season and came up with the Mars Attacks routine, where the second disc, even if it was not in the air or being delayed, was in is off the ground and in the possession of someone else. Sometimes it was being used as a prop as part of the move, and sometimes it was being held in preparation for the next uh, throw. So Mars Attacks was the, the routine that emerged from that for Hawaii. The Hawaii wind was insanely difficult. It was from every which direction. I don't know if you remember that, Randy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we were going the other direction while you guys were exploring some places. Larry and Bill and I were exploring things. We decided to put streamers on the disc for some reason, and the wind. It, it was a nightmare, <laughs> you know, because yeah. of the conditions. So yeah, I remember the conditions. So um, well, anyway, we played well, we, and there was a, our second dropless routine, in in that condition. So because we were playing the conditions. And um, that was another thing we had learned. You know, we played the conditions in Hawaii. That was a big moment for me, um, changing my game. Um, and so from then on, I stopped doing angle sets um, because of whenever, you know, with bad conditions. Yeah. And playing the yeah. conditions, I think, is, is key. You know, that, that helped us in a lot of tournaments, especially at the Worlds. For practice, we would also, because... Fraser Park is so perfect of a wind. We would um, go inland to fields that had the worst possible wind we could find to run through the routine so that we didn't get lazy about having great conditions. It brings me back to the multiple discs, using multiple discs, because the conditions obviously play a big part in the choices that you're making. And the risk-reward for doing multiple discs is not there in the judging system. Um, you don't really get rewarded for having multiple discs, but you can certainly get uh, demerits <laughs> by having three drops just like that. That can be a real challenge as well. We, yeah. we figured out one really important part of that during the prep of Mars Attacks, which was a lot of teams, when they used multiple discs, were using them in different parts of the field 
And so the judges couldn't see everything that was going on. So when we would use multiple disks, we kept it in the sight line of the judges so that they could have a chance to, to capture in their brain what moves we were doing and, and what we wanted them to see. That's awesome. What I remember about that routine was that even the person who was delaying one disc was still involved with the co-op of the other disc. And probably keeping yourselves close together for the line of sight of the judges opened up more opportunities for things like that. It was kind of mind-blowing to me to see how you, you integrated the two things, the two discs together into, like the three people, the two discs, all into one move, one motion. It takes a lot of um, math in the beginning <laughs> to figure it out, like for, for me. I, I remember like making little sheets of paper and, okay, here's Arthur and here's Murph and here's me and here's the disc and trying to figure out who had what and how we could link this co-op that we really loved to another co-op, but the discs weren't in the right place. So sometimes it worked really smoothly and sometimes we tried to put in little secret fake-out disc passes. Like while Dave had the disc, Murph and I would switch who was carrying the, the spare disc. Um, what I remember about Hawaii was actually... Obviously, the finals were an amazing experience, and and what made me happiest about that was actually that Murph had never won a world championship at the FBA Worlds before. Somehow, incredibly, he had never won, and it was really meaningful for me to be a part of him winning his first because it was way overdue, way overdue. Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny about that routine is I have more memories of it in you guys executing it in Seattle than I do in mm. Hawaii. Um, because again, there was that beautiful rivalry that we had with you guys. And and one of the things I loved about that rivalry, it, it really felt like it was just between us two teams. And I know there was, you know, four or eight other really good teams, but they just weren't not in, that's, in vision. That's um, what happens when you're kind of at the top. You're like, your view of which teams are a threat gets winnowed down whether or not that's reality but you're right. like okay there's only three teams that can win this exactly <laughs> and yeah and hopefully you won't be you're like your ego won't be destroyed by the result that actually happens but you you're, you're handicapping it as you go into the tournament going there's only three teams that can win this so yeah. what do we need to do to actually set ourselves apart from that team and, and in co-op it really i don't know how other people would see it but in the moment it did look like for me, it, it was just us two. It, it was it was a one on one battle. And, and that's the uh, way it was from our perspective, too. And it was cool. I really because I felt like we really were pushing each other. Yeah. And it went for like four or five years. But I remember yeah. the Seattle one specifically because yeah. I felt like we played great. And I would there yeah. was that, you know, I was looking at my my side of the time going, yeah, we got this. And then we didn't get it. And I then looked back and you guys played really great, too. And so there were two beautiful presentations of freestyle that were different. You know, there's that art thing, you know, like, how do you critique art? So somebody had to win. And, you know, yeah, you guys yeah. did. Darn it. But <laughs> they were but it was well played, you know, and both and it, I'm sure it was hard to be a judge and, you know, how to make that decision there. But that was awesome. Dave, do you remember in your tipping combination? Yeah, I remember we dropped it um, right before that. And I thought that we were I don't know why I was thinking of it, you know, supposed to. But I was like, uh, this is not going to this is not going as well as I had hoped. And then somehow I got into the zone and um, I uh, and I did a multiple tip combination, which was going really well. And because I was moving while I was tipping anyway, it ended up with uh, 
I did a triple spinning catch at the end of the tipping combo and got really pumped. And then I was running too fast after that, moving too fast. Cause I got so excited, you know what I mean? You know, and it was like, I can, now I got to slow down cause I'm so amped, you know? So. Yeah. But you know, it, it was that move that I think was yeah. the separator between first and yeah. second. And to think that one move can be the difference maker. It was that it's, day. It's those, that's like those big moments, like Dave's doing that comment. I, my memory of it is it wasn't just a triple spinning catch. It was a triple spinning catch out of a tip. Right. Right. And, and I haven't been able to do that since I, <laughs> you know, but it was one of those zone moments where you, you know, I remember you do two, I did two spins and I was in the zone. So I kind of went, oh, well, I'll just do another. And that's when everything kind of works. You know, you get, if you can somehow slip into the zone, which is not easy to do, you know. So that, yeah, it was a big moment. And that's one of those things you need sometimes. Those, those moments. That routine was exhausting. Like there was, there was not a moment where any of us could stop moving. We were always catching up to where the next disc was going. Like in the the last third of that routine, I feel like I was sprinting most of the time. I don't know. It, I, I always ended the routine feeling really out of breath. Like getting into position for the last triple roll of really just trying to like take a breath so that the disc could actually roll across my chest, as opposed to like me collapsing and fainting. Wow, that was so much fun to hear that story because, uh, for me anyways, I was actually there at, at that event and I got to see both you, Randy, and your team play and then Arthur and Dave and Murph play. And, and man, it was a really close call and it was really cool to hear their perspective on what made the difference. One of the things that Dave talked about there that really stood out for me is being in the zone and when suddenly you can play beyond your normal abilities because you're in the zone. And I think that's one of the magics of being in competition and in front of an audience is that sometimes you just get this energy burst where you can do something uh, beyond your normal skill set. And uh, that's just, just such a great feeling. So I wanted to ask you, Randy, have you ever been in a competition and done a move that you had never done before? Hmm. I've been lucky enough to have that experience happen to me several times. But I would say the one that really sticks out, and a lot of people call it the holy roller, but we were in Seattle and we were in the gym. I was playing with Paul Kenny in pairs. And the very end of the routine, I roll the disc out on the ground and then we lay down on the ground and I wait for the disc to come around and land in my hand. And it happened. It was just like, oh my goodness. And it was probably one of the more magical moments that I've ever had. You know, it just was unplanned and there it was. That was an amazing moment. Nobody expected that to happen. And then when it happened, it was just mind boggling. It was wow. And everyone went crazy. Yeah. So do you remember then playing co-op, you, me, and Dave Lewis? And right before we were going on, we were warming up upstairs in the gym. Or we're going on in the finals. And Dave says, Randy, I've always wanted to ask you, did you do that on purpose? That thing where it rolled around? And you looked at him and you said, I don't know, Dave. And then you rolled it on the ground and you laid on the floor and it rolled right into your hand. <laughs> and you just did it again. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like to just let it be out there that, you know, maybe I planned it, maybe I didn't. I'll leave it up to the, the people watching. With that, I wanted to say something about one of our merchandise items, which is our coffee mug. And I love the Frisbee Guru coffee mug. I'm not just saying that because it's a, a merch item that people buy and it supports our efforts. I really do. I really do like it. Me too. And I mean, me too, as in I love it. I have one in Hawaii and one in Oregon and I drink my coffee from it every morning. 
It's a great mug. Well, with that, I will talk to you next week, Jake. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee. Oh, yeah!